Welcome back to the Anxiety Slayer podcast. I'm Shan Vanderleek here with my sweet friend and co-host Ananga Sevier. For almost 11 years, we've been coming together weekly from Kent and Leelanau to share Anxiety Slayer conversations with you and often answer listener questions from our inbox and Facebook page, as well as our private Facebook group. Together, we share a powerful collection of techniques to reduce anxiety. We'd like to say a big thank you to everyone who supported the podcast on Patreon this month and to our new patrons, Claudia and Stacy. Thank you so much. If you find the Anxiety Slayer podcast supportive, we hope you'll consider becoming a patron. Learn more at patreon.com forward slash anxiety slayer. Today, we're speaking about how you can regain calm when anxiety hijacks your brain, something that we're both very much aware of. (laughs) Hi, Ananga. How are you? Hi, Shan. I'm good. Thank you. It's good to be back with you after taking some time off this summer that we both needed. And I'm grateful for the time and also very grateful to be back together with you talking about something that uh, could there be anything more important than learning how to regain calm when anxiety hijacks your brain. This is an excellent subject. So thank you for putting our notes together today. I really appreciate it. So glad we're talking about this. Yeah, I think it's really an important topic. It's something that's been on my mind over the last couple of weeks as I've been listening to and responding to clients and noting some conversations and concerns in our group and just hearing people around me at this really unusual time with so many challenges, many the same and many different depending on individual circumstances. And I'm hearing and seeing a lot of elevated anxiety and a lot of cases of anxiety really just barging in and taking over the mind. And so I thought it would be helpful to have this conversation today. Let's start with how anxiety flares up and then take it through what happens and how our body responds. How it starts is that anxiety frequently hijacks our thinking with a fearful narrative. So, for example, there might be some what-if thoughts or worst-case scenarios, catastrophic thinking that happens in a heartbeat really flares up in our mind and causes acute distress. And the body then responds as if those fearful thoughts are true because it doesn't know the difference between a real threat, a real thing that's happening, or what's running through our mind. And we're thinking, you know, what if this is true? What if that's going to happen? The body responds as if it's true, as if it's real. And then when the body reacts in that way, it throws up some sensations that go back to the mind. The mind notices them and becomes more disturbed. And so we get caught in this fear cycle that feels so frightening and completely takes over our body and mind. So that's why we're calling it hijacking. It really is an intrusion, something that bursts into the mind and causes great fear, great anxiety quite suddenly. And often feels like it came out of nowhere. Yeah. That's been my experience. I'll be, you know, hopping along just fine, having a, a perfectly lovely day, and then and then a, a symptom or sensation will come up, and and occasionally, like grabbing a tiger by the tail, boom, there it is. Mm-hmm. When we don't have these conversations and we don't explore how it works and really break it down and then talk about what you can do about it, it's that thing where it feels like I was having a completely happy day. And this came out of the blue. That's what really causes us 
major disturbance. Mm-hmm. When we can look at the recipe for it and make changes to that and pick it apart a bit, it gives us more power over the situation because anxiety seldom comes out of the blue. It seldom comes from nowhere. What normally happens is it begins with a trigger, a symptom or a sensation. It might be a message, a news item, just something that that sets our mind off, something that strikes a vulnerable place or a concern or a memory in us. And then the mind zooms in on it instantly. And then it will create an anxious narrative, which really comes from hypervigilance that's running in the background already. And the mind will make a story around that trigger that makes it instantly more solid, more believable, or a potential threat. And then as soon as the mind creates the story, which can happen in an instant, the body reacts. Yeah. You know, our heart beats faster. Our breathing becomes shallow. We might feel lightheaded or shaky. And these sensations in the body feed back into our mind and further disturb the mind and increase anxiety. And this repeats and builds into a fear cycle, a fear loop that feels so incredibly real and is often very hard to bear until we know how to stop it. And gratefully, we can stop it. Yeah, that's how it goes. And I think many people listening will be familiar with that experience. So what we really wanted to do today is bring some hope and some strategy to the situation. A mind in balance can respond calmly to incoming information, but a mind that's already challenged by anxiety will react rather than respond. So it just fires off and you don't have that pause for thought or that pause for thinking about things, making choices, challenging it, challenging what's come up. An anxious mind will just go with it. And it lacks resilience to process the incoming information and to respond in a self-supporting way. The good news is you can change this. We can all change this. We can learn to break the fear cycle and have a completely different experience to something coming up in our body or on the news or somewhere, and then we're just off. It's almost like you're tumbling downhill, like you know, one minute you're on top of the mountain, and the next you've lost your footing and you're in free fall. That's how it feels. But we can work with it. We can change it. We sure can. And it's a, a vigilant practice. It's a practice. Yes. That's how I look at it. Because even though I practice and have a number of tools in my toolkit and we do this podcast and I'm grateful to have you as my very dear friend, it can still happen to me. And I think, good Lord, am, am I ever going to be on the other side of this thing? <laughs> like, which is the same thought that so many of our listeners have. Am I ever going to be on the other side of this? Let's talk about it not being the thing, because I think that's important too. What happens with the mind when it gets disturbed like this is it gets wound up, it gets energized. And in Ayurveda, we would call this vata disturbance. The vata energy is running high in the mind. So for new listeners, Ayurveda is India's ancient science of life, the ancient science of how to live a long, healthy, happy, and calm life. And in Ayurveda, we talk about different mind and body types, and the vata type is the one that's most prone to experience anxiety. And vata has this energy like the wind. It can blow and push and move. Where I live, I'm 
get an excellent opportunity to really think about Vata in witnessing the wind. We live by a river where you can be sitting outside with a book and a cup of tea and there's a gentle breeze one minute and then all of a sudden you can hear this almost boom and the wind whips up. It's, it's such a powerful energy, but completely invisible. So it can, you know, come out of nowhere, catch you out. So that's a helpful reference in thinking about anxiety in the mind. Last week, I was sitting in my chair reading and all of a sudden there was a big crash on the window right by me where a sun umbrella had got blown over. And, you know, it could have broken the window. It came over so suddenly. And I was thinking, wow, you know, five minutes ago, it was completely calm out there. I'd just come in. And then the wind picked up and this big umbrella came smashing into the window and luckily hit the frame and not the glass. And, you know, that was a note to me to don't leave that unattended. If you're coming in, even if only for five minutes, crank the handle and put the umbrella down. But I'm sharing this because this is what happens in the mind. We get this high vata energy in the mind and the mind thinks, oh, I've got an ache here. What if it's this? Or somebody said that to me, does that mean, you know, they think I'm this, or I saw this on the news. Does it mean I'm going to get that? We have these things Mm. come up in the mind that the mind zooms in on and focuses in on, and it makes it a thing. The anxious mind makes everything a thing. And the vata energy pushes the mind. It pushes the mind. The mind is has too much erratic energy in it so it pushes and that energy builds into like a gust or a storm and then we're looking at the things that we think are the cause of the distress but it's not the thing it's the energy in the mind behind it right and it's important to understand that when this happens it doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you it's a pattern in the mind it's a a tendency that you can work with and change What we've talked about many, many times is that the mind has a negative bias and will always lead toward anxiety unless it's firmly under control. That's just the way that it is. It's delicate, it's easily disturbed, and very high maintenance. And when we learn how to care for our mind, it becomes much easier to work with and to live with. And this is why we created How to Calm Your Fragile Mind, which is one of the courses that we offer at the uh, Teachable Academy that we have, anxietyslayer.teachable.com, How to Calm Your Fragile Mind, because this is the work that we all must do, is continue to maintain our minds. But let's move forward and talk about how you can break this fear loop, this fear cycle. Yeah, so it starts with understanding that it's not the thing. If you observe your patterns of thought, and it can be helpful to jot them down over a course of a few days, you will notice that a heightened mind, a mind that's got this pushing energy of anxiety, often has a menu of things that it goes around. There might be a a symptom or a sensation somewhere in your body, and that week it will be that. That's the thing. That's the thing that week. And and you're going to want to give voice to it, and you're going to want to get support for it. And you can tell if Vata's up in your mind because you'll ask, Does anyone else get? And we see this a lot in the group. In the groups, yeah. Does anyone else have this? Does anyone else have that? Yeah. And and so we're seeking reassurance, understandably and naturally enough. You want reassurance when you're concerned about something. But then what happens is you get reassurance for that thing. 
and then here comes the next one. The next thing, sure. And if I've been through a, a traumatic or particularly stressful time in my life, my mind will throw up four, maybe five, and it will go on a loop. And it will be this one or that one. And there'll be hypervigilant areas in my body or in my surroundings where it's going to have a story mm-hmm. and it's going to fire off. And that's when I know I need to practice extra self-care. And what really helps is to understand this is a trigger and I can respond to it. It's not back. It doesn't mean if I have this sensation here in my body, it's a reoccurrence of this or it's a possibility of that. That's a story that the mind, because it's anxious, it's going to that negative bias. Mm-hmm. And it's creating a fear-filled story because that's where the negative bias goes. So the first thing is to understand that we start with the trigger Recognize what's happening. Witness and observe your thoughts and responses. And know that this is a fear story and it's likely fiction. And then you share the um, acronym for fear that, that I had learned many years ago, and I don't remember who to attribute it to, but it's an author that I used to read. Uh, false evidence appearing real. Fear is false evidence appearing real. It's such a good way to think about it. Yeah. Well, here's an example of an anxiety bias that actually is uh, sort of personal as where <laughs> right now my daughter doesn't really like spiders very much. And not that there's a bunch of people who say, yay, spiders, but um, someone who's afraid of spiders might react to a piece of dark thread or you know something that they see on the carpet as if it were a spider. And then, or a snake, it will happen with a snake yeah. outside as well. If you see, you know, a branch or something. A hose or a rope, yeah. Yeah, a rope or what have you. And the mind projects the thing it fears onto this random item, whatever it might be, a piece of cotton or, you know, a rope or what have, what have you. And this is a form of anxious hypervigilance. It's exactly this. And there's probably not a person listening that hasn't had this experience before where something almost takes their breath away because they think it's something that it's not. Yeah. And so you can uh, calm this kind of, uh, of anxiety quickly with tapping. It's really helpful because we, we were talking about, you know, recognize what's happening, witness and observe your thoughts and responses. That's important, but it's also important to have something to bring in quickly in those situations. Otherwise, you're left viewing something that's going to heighten your discomfort. It's easier said than done. Witness it, observe your thoughts and responses. That's important. But what really helps is to have a tool, a calming tool that you can bring into play at the same time. So one of my favorite uses of EFT tapping is to know the individual points and and what they're helpful for and the collarbone point in the tapping sequence. And you can find the diagram if you're unfamiliar with EFT tapping at anxietyslayer.com forward slash EFT. You can find the diagram there and more information. The collarbone point is extremely helpful for addressing fear. It's on the kidney meridian in Chinese medicine. It's called K27. It's at the tail end of the kidney meridian. And it's very good for calming heightened anxiety and fear. So As soon as you notice that you feel triggered, you can bring both hands up and just bunch your fingertips together and just start tapping quite firmly, quite definitely. 
on that collarbone point. It's just under the collarbone, either side of the breastbone. And it's really good practice to train yourself. And it can also be helpful to say, triggered. I feel triggered. Just label it, Mm -hmm. voice what you're experiencing, and then start tapping on these points. And taking steady breaths. As soon as we feel anxious, our breathing becomes rapid and shallow. And then as we described earlier, the mind just starts seeing it as a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's like, you know, now look, my heart's racing. This is wrong with me. That's going wrong. Focus on your outgoing breath and make it as long and smooth as you can while you're tapping on those kidney points, kidney 27 points on the collarbone point, and just allow yourself the space and the moment to say, that really triggered me. I feel triggered. And just take a couple of minutes to tap there and the anxiety will start to come down and it won't escalate. It's really helpful. It's something that uh... I used just last week when uh, my daughter was at the doctor and the doctor was concerned about um, freckle that she had on her foot, um, which turned out to be a, a flat mole. Anyway, the doctor reacted in an unusual way, uh, very uh, supercharged, like, this isn't good. We need to have this looked at. You need to see a der- dermatologist. Just very out of character as is what I would expect a doctor to to do or how to behave. And, uh, and my daughter handled it really well, but I, on the other hand, did not, I mean, she doesn't know this, but well, if she listens, she'll know. (laughs) (laughs) I needed to do some tapping really quickly because in my past, and, and I realize there's still additional clearing that I have to do. I've had doctors behave that way, which caused me to be hyper vigilant about these kinds of things with, with the doctor, where, whereas the doctor could have said, you know, I'm not really liking that. I, I think it would be a good idea for a dermatologist just to take a look because you don't have these anywhere else in your body. You know, very matter of fact, like, mm-hmm. well, in this case, that's not how it happened. And so tapping here really helped bring me down a notch, just really like, okay, what do we know? And get the appointment and get her in and I'm grateful to report all is well. But at that time, because of my tendency to go to that place of discomfort or to uh, to be triggered by it, um, I needed to do this tapping on this K27 on the on this mm-hmm. point. Just it, it really does help. It's so incredibly helpful. So if this kind of thing, if you haven't tried this, please do it. Name what's going on. Start tapping and breathing and and focusing on the present moment as well. The present moment is very, very helpful when we're starting to, uh, what I call, you know, get out of our bodies when we, when we start to go to these places that make us feel so uncomfortable. Mm. Yeah, really important. So to name the emotion, name what you're feeling, to externalize it while you're tapping, voice it or write it down. That's an effective way to stop us freezing and holding the anxiety inside. The trouble is that we very often feel that there's something wrong with me. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's so important to talk. Because when you talk to others, they'll say, oh my God, me too. You get that too. And then, you know, you're you're in a understanding and compassionate exchange rather than just what we tend to do is we clench down, we swallow it down, we hold it inside, and then we're holding so much fear and tension. There's nothing wrong with you 
if you get triggered. There's nothing wrong with any of us if we get triggered. It's a, a cause and effect scenario. If you have a doctor in a position of authority that tells you things and gives you information in a dramatic way earlier on in your life, as we've both had this, Shan, you and I have both had this, mm-hmm. then there's a hypervigilance down the line. It's understood. And it really is a cause and effect thing in the mind that needs to be met with compassion. If you put a piece of toast in a toaster and push the button, it's going to pop up at a certain point. And that's what happens with our mind. At a certain point, things pop up (laughs) quite dramatically. And we need to look at it with some humor and some compassion and bring some tools in that can really help us find that cause, bring in calm so that Mm. we're responding with compassion and strategies rather than reacting in heightened anxiety. Absolutely. And that's where the the present moment is just so incredibly important to be, to draw yourself back to what's happening right now. And to remind yourself that in this moment, I'm okay. Or in this moment, um, they're okay in the case of the the, um, example with my daughter. And we do this, again, while tapping on the collarbone and just repeating softly that in this moment, I'm okay. Um, Or as far as I know, in this moment, I'm okay. And then just stay where we are and be mindful that in this moment, you are okay. The simple fact is that you are. And keep tapping and breathing and tapping and breathing. And then once you settle, You can draw yourself into a mindful activity, whether it be walking or tending to your garden or your plants or some stretching or yoga, and just really drop into your body in an an engaging and relaxing way. This way you can release some adrenaline and feel more calm and grounded. You, You hear us talk about grounding all the time because it's so incredibly helpful and supportive to just get outside in, in your bare feet with you know, on the ground even for even five minutes. Yeah. I've been known to just go out in the yard and just lay right down, right on my belly, just right down <laughs> on the ground. <laughs> it's a really good idea. It is. It is. Just to really connect with nature, lean on a tree, sit by a tree, um, mm-hmm. tend to some plants, whatever you can to just have that grounding, mindful connection. Mm-hmm. And this works. It absolutely works. And it's just a question of application, just giving it a try. Even if you think it doesn't make sense, try it. We challenge you. Yeah, just try it. Absolutely. Taking action is what this year is all about for us, is to really allow yourself to uh, give things a try, to think of yourself as, you know, this is an experiment and I'm going to play with this and I'm going to see what this is like. And and you will find the, the tools that you need and that work best for you. And then they're always available to you. Before we leave today, Ananga, I also want to share that Ananga created a brand new tapping session for calming heightened anxiety on Patreon. So if you want to learn more, you can become an Anxiety Slayer patron at patreon.com forward slash anxiety slayer. You can learn more about the offering. And then also, if you decide to become a patron, you can experience this new tapping session for calming heightened anxiety. We've been really enjoying our work 
and sharing on Patreon. And it's been really fun to see new patrons join us like Claudia and Stacy recently so that we can continue to give you more and more support, more tools, videos, recordings, whatever. Uh, we're having a lot of fun with it and we'd love for you to join us there. Ananga, thank you so much for this conversation today. I think there's nothing more important right now than to learn how to regain calm when we're feeling hijacked by anxiety. 